0: establish those habits and routines now because we are all going to deal with grief on some level and if you establish that now when those things happen you will be ready
1: hey y'all thanks so much for listening in today to the confident mompreneur podcast the podcast by real women For Real Women, where we talk about real-life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are
0: you? I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for being here with me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for the invite. I was, um, it was, it was exciting to see that pop up in my feet and my, um, messages. So thank you.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, do you want to kind of just start yourself out by introducing yourself a little bit about you and kind of what we're going to be talking about today?
0: Okay. I am Elizabeth Shaw. I am a fitness instructor, a grief educator, Uh, And working on a certification as a reinvention life coach as well. Um, A little bit about my story. I'm a mother and a widow. I was married in 2007. And my husband and I quickly decided that we wanted to have children. And in that process, um, we got pregnant with our first son and we're so, so excited uh, to be able to have a family. Him being an only child, that was something he really wanted to do was to be able to have a family and to be able to raise children. Um, Not just one, he wanted two. He wanted two little boys um, so he could share everything that he knew with them and so that they could have each other because he didn't have any siblings. Um, And as we went through the process at 10 weeks, we found out that our son had some issues. It wasn't anything alarming, but they said, you're going to need to go to a high risk OB. And as we did at 17 weeks, we found out that there were some pretty significant issues and that if our son did make it, that he was not going to have the best quality of life that he would have huge obstacles and huge challenges. And that was a big if he made it. And so as we went through that pregnancy um, and seeing several specialists and finding out more and more and more of what was wrong um, with him as he was developing, uh, I went into early labor uh, at 36 weeks and had him by C-section. And about an hour after he was born, he passed away. So our first son, Tootie, was only here with us for a very short time. And as you can imagine, that brought up a lot of things. We were younger married couple. I, at the time, was in my um, early 30s, and he was in his mid to late 20s. And we didn't know how to deal with it, so we got divorced. (laughs) Because we had to... Learn how to navigate that situation. And we couldn't do it with each other. And after about six months, we came back together and got remarried Mm -hmm. and went on to have two little boys. So he had his dream of having two boys that he got to share everything that he knew with. There are videos and pictures of him outside catching frogs with them and um, teaching my, at the time, four-year-old how to use a saw to cut up huge pieces of wood (laughs) and all these fun things that they got to do. In 2018, My husband, around 2017, 2018, my husband started his own company. And so my kids were able to see him every single day. He came home from work every day. He was there for lunches. He was there for different activities at school. And at that point in time, we lived in Hawaii. We had moved from Oklahoma to Hawaii, where I was raised, and we were taking care of my mom. And so as he grew this business, working on heavy equipment... Um, he was able to be there a lot for our family in so many different ways, not only financially by growing his business, but also to be there physically every single day with our family. And in late in December, December 16th, 2018, he went to work and he never came home. He had an accident at work where, um, He was working on a piece of equipment and just something, in fact, we don't know what, just something went wrong. uh, And he was not able to come home to us. And that was devastating. It was hard to go through losing a child, but we had each other as best as we could at that point in time. And then losing him, um, I had two little boys to think of. Um, two little boys who no longer had their dad. And so I had to figure out how to move on from that. And what I was fortunate enough to have at that point in my life were the experiences of a huge loss, like losing our child. What I was fortunate enough to have was an environment around me of, people and community who were there to support us during that process. We were in my childhood home, surrounded by people from our church who had been there and had seen me grow up. So it was all the aunties, all the uncles, all the community, cause it was Hawaii. That's what we call our elders. We call them auntie and uncle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a sign of respect and they were all there. They were all there to surround us. My friend's parents, my friend's moms um, were there to support us through this process. Childhood friends were there and they all showed up. Uh, Fitness community that I was a part of at that time, they all showed up for us. The friends that my husband had made in that year of owning his business, they all showed up for us. We had established this community and it was over a lifetime for me i mean these are people who had seen me as a baby who their children were my best friends growing up so it's a community that has been established over a lifetime but for him significantly over that last year of his life and they all showed up for us what i was also fortunate enough to do at that point in time was to have established routines and practices and rituals that really gave me a good foundation to be in a healthy place for something so challenging to happen in my life. And as I look back at that, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. You know, I was an owner of a small business And one of the things they focused heavily heavily on at that point in time was gratitude. Hmm. And so that became a part of my life. Something that has always been in and out of my life was fitness. I have a bachelor's degree in exercise and sports science, although at that point in time, I had never done anything with it. Um, I was a young mom of young children. I wouldn't say young, I was 40 at the time and I had young children, but I was getting back into that routine where I wanted to take care of my body, where I needed to move my body. And I had over the course of that, uh, the year gotten into those routines and habits. So there were all these different things at play for me that I didn't even know I was going to need as he passed away. Mm-hmm. And when I look back at it, it was a huge, huge blessing that was occurring without me even knowing. And so at the point in time when he passed away, I had all these things already established. I had all these habits. I had all these rituals. I had all these routines that helped me to continue to live, helped me to take all that emotion that comes with grief and with death and I was able to process them in a healthy way.
1: Wow that is such an amazing story I can't even imagine going through multiple large losses in such a you know short period of time how what what maybe was different and what maybe was the same about the way that you handled each of those griefs because I'm sure with your child you kind of had some lead up to what happened because you knew that there were issues along the way and that he may or may not make it to full term um and then with your husband it was so unexpected and out of nowhere you know how did you go through handling each of those types of losses
0: with my son it really was anticipating all of that you know it was like okay something's wrong oh wow he's probably not gonna make it you know there's a slim chance oh his heart his stomach you know his development of his lower half of his body like all these things kept coming up And so it really was like, I spent 10 weeks, so roughly two months, like getting excited about this pregnancy. And then I spent the last six to seven months anticipating his death. Yeah. And so I was starting the grief process Before he was even here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get to enjoy that pregnancy. I didn't get to enjoy my first child becoming a mother. You know, it was all focused on the fact that he wasn't going to be here. Mm -hmm. And it took its toll on our marriage. It definitely did. Because we didn't know how to deal with it. It was something we wanted so, so badly that just every day was being ripped away from us.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so it caused a rift between the two of us. And I came to find out, like, I felt so guilty. Here I am, like, this is my job. This is what I'm here for. This is what my body is created to do, is to give life. And I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So the guilt that I felt... You know, it was just so heavy. And it really ruined me at that point in time. And then I found out later, years later, in fact, after my um, second son Gabriel was born, that my husband felt the guilt too. Mm -hmm. Because he thought he had done something wrong. He was in the army. They went to Iraq there was a lot of stuff going on there that they were exposed to he mm-hmm. thought that had something to do with it and it really we don't know what it was I mean
1: yeah but you I'm guys were enough holding now. that shame mm-hmm. and I'm guessing neither of you guys probably talked about that shame that you we were holding it.
0: during that time No, we didn't because we were both so wrapped up in our own situation at that point in time that communicating it. And we were a young married couple. I mean, I was older, you know, um, I was in my thirties, but we, as a married couple, were young. This was within our first two years of marriage. We were still figuring out how to be married. And then you throw something like this into the mix and it just kind of blows everything up. Yeah. And that's what happened for us so i didn't deal with it well he didn't deal with it well we dealt with it separately and i didn't have those tools i didn't have the gratitude i didn't have a well established set of practices to help me in that process um and when you look at the loss of my husband i had those things i was more prepared I was more capable. I was older. There were more experiences. At that point in time, I had also lost my father. Not the best relationship, but still the loss of my father. And so there were all these experiences that helped me to grow. And so it was like night and day Mm -hmm. in the way that I dealt with the grief from losing my son to losing my husband.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like you said, with the pregnancy, I feel like it's really hard because you get the joy of something that's supposed to be so wonderful and beautiful stripped away from you so quickly. Um, I, I had a very rough pregnancy with my son. Um, obviously not to the extent that you did because my son is still here, but, um, a lot of the joy of that pregnancy was ripped away from me. And, you know, it was like constantly in and out of the hospital and all of these tests and everything. And it's like, you can never actually just focus on, you know, the miracle that was happening within you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How, how did that affect your pregnancies with your two additional sons? Did you have like that fear, you know, from the first pregnancy and all of the things that came with it that then kind of manifested itself onto your other pregnancies?
0: Definitely. Um, from Tootie, my first pregnancy, then I had a miscarriage Mm. uh in between. And after that miscarriage, about six months later, I got pregnant with Gabriel. And I was worried the whole time, like, cause something's gonna go wrong. And you know how you're like, where's that heartbeat? Where's that heartbeat? Can I feel it? Can I feel it? And you know I was constantly looking for that. I needed to have that to know that everything was okay. So I was constantly looking for that once that started to show. Uh, and then two out of three, once he was born, two out of three pregnancies ended up in loss. So for about the first six months, I loved my son. I loved him. But I was not attached to him mm-hmm. because as far as i knew he wasn't going to be there for very long
1: yeah it was just gonna as get ridiculous as that
0: sounds yeah i mean it's just like here i am holding him i'm i'm nursing him i'm changing his diaper i'm spending the day with him i'm taking him out to places but not until about six months was i able to go like okay you're not going anywhere all right, like now I can really like attach to you, yeah. And and so that was a challenge. When it came to my son Hossley, our youngest son, we were in Hawaii at that point in time. I found out I was pregnant. We moved back to Hawaii, and so it was very different because um, being from Hawaii, there's just a huge attachment there. So being back home just kind of made everything better.
1: And having more of that community
0: aspect. Yeah, my mom was there. I had good friends there. I had my brothers there with their families. And so there was more um, of that community. There were friends, there were family. I felt more established, you know, just I just felt more at comfort and at ease. Um, And then I also had this success. Finally, it was like, and here's your brother who's three years old. You know, like, I can do this. (laughs) And so that was completely different. I embraced that pregnancy. I felt good about it. I felt good about where we were. And so it made it a whole lot easier for me in that aspect. And at that point in time, my husband was home a lot. When I was pregnant with Gabriel, my husband was working in the natural gas industry because he's a mechanic. And so he was gone for two to three weeks at a time. Um, throughout that pregnancy and into the first three years of Gabriel's life and so it was very very different from where we were in Hawaii and he got to be there he I got to go to bed with him every night he got to experience the pregnancy with me and so that made it a lot easier too
1: yeah I'm sure you talked a little bit about how you guys both kind of dealt with the grief of that loss Mm -hmm. separately. You guys separated, got divorced, and then managed to come back together. So how did that process work? Did you guys just, do you think that you guys really needed that time apart to do your grieving? Because I know that statistically that is actually a very common occurrence that, you know, if parents go through a big loss like that, they're more (laughs) I don't know what the word is more prone to getting divorced I guess uh, (laughs) during that time but I don't often hear about people coming back together after that so how did that work what was that like for you guys
0: it was just a weird time in our lives he was still in the army at that point and he was recruiting I was working in the autism field and it was just a lot of tension where we weren't communicating well. Because of the guilt we both felt, we weren't talking to each other about it. Mm. We were trying to deal with it on our own. We were trying to figure out where to go with all of this. And it just didn't work for us at that point in time. And so we, I, I chose to leave and we got divorced and I went back to California So I was living in California and working with a company that I was with there and he was still in Oklahoma and we we remained friends and in contact because we had this thing, you know, that really tied us together and we both kind of did our own thing for that six months and trying to figure it out and trying to work through it. And luckily enough, I actually went back there and we went to my son's grave. And we both stood there and were like, I can't imagine bringing someone else here. Having to explain to them how this feels. And we both felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really were like, okay, like, this, like, there's still this bond here, there's still this connection here. Uh, And, and so we came back together and I'm grateful that we did, you know, because there are two other little boys that needed to make their way into our family.
1: Yeah. Did you guys then at that time when you decided to come back together, actually kind of have more of those conversations of the shame and, you know, the grief that you guys were both holding on to and like help work each other through that? We didn't really even then,
0: yeah. We didn't like we talked about our son mm-hmm. and we would discuss him and and we would you know s- still celebrate him, um, on birthdays and things like that, but we didn't talk about our feelings. Um, neither of us was great at that.
1: <laughs> surprise,
0: I think... surprise, <laughs> I think that's common, <laughs> yeah, and and For me, personally, um, I was so insecure, so insecure as a a woman, as a mother, um, with who I was, with my body, with all of those things, that I didn't want to rock the boat. And so as we had our children, and we chose to move back to Hawaii, and I kind of did my own thing with business and he was doing his own thing. We both had a little more confidence in who we are and what we were doing and we will were able to connect better. Did we ever discuss the guilt and all of that? That came a lot later. That came after our, our youngest son was born. Hmm. So it took us years. you know, it took us six or seven years to talk about it because there's three to four years between each of our children.
1: Hmm. I do think that's really important though that we talk about is like the confidence that you have to develop in yourself before Mm -hmm. you're able to actually like be confident in your relationships and confident in even talking about like those hard things that we hold on to. Um, If you're not like you internalize everything and hold on to that shame much much more. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, definitely. If you cannot own your power and if you cannot understand like, you know what, even if this conversation doesn't go well, it doesn't mean that it's going to end things. Even if this conversation doesn't go well and it does end things, I'll be okay. I love who I am. I love being with myself. If you don't have those things then you're constantly going to be going like grasping Mm -hmm. and holding on to whatever you can to make sure that that relationship is working to make sure that that business is working to make sure that that whatever is working, you have to have the confidence within yourself and be okay with failing to understand that success is on the other side.
1: Absolutely. And I think, that kind of goes back to, um, you know, the the tools and the things that you had really started implementing in your life, you know, between the loss of your son and the loss of your husband and probably uh, contributed to the better ways that you moved
0: through grief with your husband. Do you want to talk
1: a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, that's what I call the grief toolbox. And it's something that I really believe in. When I look at the habits and routines and rituals that I had established, a lot of them are rooted in my upbringing within my religion, but then also things that I've taken and found have worked for me. So with a grief toolbox, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. I think, me personally, I think there are things that will work for everyone if they give it a chance and if they find the right way to make it work for themselves. But the things that I focus on are prayer or meditation, gratitude, service of others, exercise or moving your body. Some people don't like to call it exercise, but movement in some way and then sleep having a healthy sleep routine. And I think if you have those things in your life and you have those habits that you practice every day, it will help you to be able to process the things that come up. And when we talk about grief, a lot of times the first thing that people think about is death. Death of a parent, death of a grandparent, spouse, child, friend, whatever it is. But we are constantly being bombarded with events that we can grieve. Divorce. Miscarriage. um, Loss of a friendship. Moving. Job loss. The changes within our body. Thinking about motherhood for me personally. Mm -hmm. My body will never be the same as it was before. Having a child diagnosed with a disability. I was working in in the autism field and I had one of the mothers speak to me after I lost my son. And she said, you know, I had to grieve after my child was born with Down syndrome. And it's not because she didn't love her child because this mother was fierce. And she fought for her child, and she gave her child experiences. I mean, I ran into them at Disneyland after (laughs) I had moved. She loved her son. But when we're pregnant with our children, we expect certain things. We expect things based on our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And when she found out that he was going to be born with Down syndrome, she had to grieve those experiences and those expectations that she had
1: yeah and it's like the life she thought he was going to have
0: yeah and it's purely based on our own experiences because that's our life Mm -hmm. so for me grief is a loss of time and expectations so there are so many things in our life that we can grieve and it's so many things in our life that we need to allow ourselves to grieve and so having that grief toolbox gives you the tools to be able to do that. I spoke at a retreat and my best friend was at that retreat. And she said, well, how, like, how, how did you know how to do that? Like, how did you know, like, this is what you needed the day after your husband died was to go for a run. How, how did you get yourself to do that? And I said, because I've been doing it every single day, my body Knew what it needed. I didn't have to think about it because these are habits that I put into place for years prior to losing my husband. So the morning after he died, I got up and my body was like, You need to go. You need to go for a run. I got up and moved my body. I ran. I got to see the sun come up over the ocean. I got to run into literally women within my community who were also widows. I got to smile. I got to hear songs that I still listen to that give me the strength to move on on those days that I don't have the strength. Mm -hmm. My body knew what I needed because I had been doing all those things. So when you talk about the grief toolbox, The biggest thing that I tell people, two things. Figure out what works for you. This is what's in my toolbox. Try those out. See if that works for you. But also try other things. Is it hiking? Is it art? Is it music? What works for you? What connects you to you? What allows you to feel emotion and process emotion? Figure out what those things are for you. In order to figure those things out, you need to start doing it now. Don't expect the day after someone dies to go, okay, let's fill my toolbox. All right, here, like I need to pour into this toolbox. You're not going to have the ability to do that in the midst of chaos. In order to do that in the midst of chaos, you need to establish those habits and routines when life is good. Mm -hmm. quote unquote good (laughs) when things are going along pretty smoothly you know and it's kind of normal kind of routine kind of like my kids are always kind of chaotic my kids are always doing this like I always have to get up and cook breakfast you know just the normal daily stuff establish those habits and routines now because we are all going to deal with grief on some level and if you establish that now When those things happen, you will be ready.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. It's like, don't try and do it right in the middle of chaos. Do it beforehand so that you're ready. But we do go through so many like changes and areas of grief throughout our life. And that's always going to be a constant no matter who you are or what you're doing. How did you... And you brought this up uh, when you were just talking about really feeling and processing your emotions, not just Mm -hmm. pushing them to the side, which I think is a big topic that we need to talk about. How did you really acknowledge and work through those emotions? And especially things like, you know, you, you always hear about survivors' guilt and feeling guilty um, about, you know, still being here and moving Mm -hmm. on with your life after such a big loss? How did you work through that?
0: For me, the biggest thing is exercise. I feel like our body holds on to emotion within it. And as you move your body, those emotions will be released. And if you don't push them down or push them to the side and just keep chugging along but allow them to come up you can think about it you can feel it you can let the tears flow whatever it is that you're feeling and you need to do so then you can release those so there have been many times in classes and even when I've been teaching (laughs) where tears have come up and I don't fight it. I think that's the biggest thing too, is that we try to fight these emotions because we need to be strong for our children. Mm -hmm. We don't want to allow people to see us cry. You know, we kind of talk about those limiting beliefs of like, I don't want to ask for help. I need to be strong. People can't see me cry. Like everybody expects me to do certain things. And we kind of just need to let those go. And allow the emotions to come up. Because if we don't allow them to come up, they're st- they're going to stay there. And it's like compounding. They're just going to stack one on top of the other until we really can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you have those healthy practices, for me, exercise as a way to release those emotions, then you don't start to resort to the things that may not be as healthy.
1: Mm-hmm. I, so... I've been going through a court process for a sexual assault that I went through for over a year now. And actually yesterday we just had sentencing on it and it did not go (laughs) how I had hoped it would go. First thing I did came back home, had a good cry (laughs) for like 30 minutes or an hour. And then today I got up and the first thing I did after dropping my son off at daycare was I went and worked out because that is a habit that I've had for over a year and a half. And it felt so good to just like use that exercise to push out all of the
0: emotions
1: and things that I was feeling. So 100% agree.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. Our bodies hold so much. And for everybody, it's different where we hold it. But you can feel it. You can feel that tightness. You can feel that tension. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We know where it is for ourselves.
1: I do think we don't release it. Don't um pay attention to their bodies and what their body is telling them, though. We're so out of tune with ourselves sometimes, which is another great reason. Like you have that toolbox is just like learning to be able to tune into our minds and our bodies. Mm
0: our bodies are machine like if we would think about it in that sense like your body is a machine and it is the most amazing machine that we have on this earth it runs on its own all we have to do is fuel it properly right and take care of it to a certain extent eating the right foods getting enough sleep moving it enough If we do that, guess what? It will tell us what it needs. Your body will tell you exactly what you need, what you need to be doing, how it feels when you fuel it properly, how it feels when you don't fuel it properly, how it feels when it doesn't get enough of that rest. It will tell you that it's carrying too much and you need to do those things that work for you to get rid of that. Tune into your body. Your body is not going to steer you wrong. It's going to tell you exactly what you need and when you need it. It is amazing.
1: Yeah, it really is. So now that you've kind of like processed your grief um, mm-hmm. for the loss of your husband, but now you're raising two boys that yeah. you no know, don't really get to know their dad. How do you speak about it with them? You know, because sometimes I feel like if a parent specifically is holding on to that grief too much, they won't speak about it to their children, which then in turn puts some of that on their children at the same time. Yeah. So how do you work through that with your boys?
0: From the very beginning, I was very open with them. We were lucky enough that the situation was such that we could go into a room where he was and be with him my children did not really want to stay in there and i get that i allowed them to come in and then they actually went with friends um so they got to say their goodbyes to their dad and he looked like he was sleeping and and we talked about it and had discussions and they went off and did what they needed to do as little kids as at that time a two-year-old and a five-year-old they -hmm. went off and played with their friends (laughs) i stayed with their dad That's what they needed. I have the greatest picture of my son just looking like a doofball the day his dad died and just loving his life. And I'm so glad I have that. But from that, and I don't know if I've done this the right way, but this is how I've done it. We have discussed it openly. My two-year-old could tell you at that point in time exactly what happened in kid language to his dad. His dad went to work. He was working on a on a, a big piece of equipment and the bucket came down on him and he's not with us anymore and when they had feelings I'd let them have their feelings and we still do and when I had feelings I didn't hide my feelings mm-hmm. I would say I'm sad It sucks your dad's not here here's all these experiences that we're going through and your dad's not here and we'll watch videos I have all these Marco Polos that I was able to download oh and God. and hold on to of him with the boys, you know, while I was out of town or things like that, where I could see him with them and they can look back and have these videos of their dad holding them and them laughing. And so I'm very, very open with them. We discuss him as often as they want to. I had him cremated. So each of my children has a little box that will be theirs when they move into their own homes. And from time to time, they'll want to hold it. And we talk about it. They have shirts that are his. They have their daddy pillow and their daddy blanket that are made from clothes that were his. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We talk about it as much as they want to. Or not. My son moved into our guest room so that he could have his own room and there was a picture in there it's funny because there's still pictures in there of my husband but there was one particular picture that he didn't want in there he said it makes me sad to see that Mm -hmm. and so we took it down but there are other pictures around the house and things like that so I respect their feelings I listen to their feelings I don't completely always understand them come because it's coming from a child's perspective Um, but I respect their feelings. And if they don't want to talk about it, we don't. Mm -hmm. If they do want to talk about it, we do. And I'm just very, very open with all of it.
1: I love that. I love that you acknowledge their feelings and also let them see you having your feelings too, and not try and hide it from them. Um, I think that's, really big and important no matter if you're dealing with grief or or not just to allow our kids to see that well so for somebody who might be going through one of those periods of grief right now whether it is you know death of a loved one or any of the other types of grief that you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. what other tips tricks tools anything like that um words of wisdom do you have for those people
0: Accept help. When someone's willing to help you, accept it. It's going to help you more than you know. And then in turn, it's also going to help that person. We don't know what they're going through. And they may be reaching into their toolbox, trying to serve so that for a moment they can't, they can leave behind what they're dealing with. So if someone offers help, take it. If you need help, don't be ashamed to ask for it. It's always there. Always. So between the toolbox and just letting that guard down to be able to accept help, I mean, that'll make huge differences for people.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that aspect of community and service, especially being back home for you, was massive mm-hmm. in that process.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, thank you so much for this awesome discussion. I think that there's a lot of value that we can get. Again, we're all going to go through grief in our lives. Yeah. so I think <laughs> It's important for everybody to listen to. Um, do you want to tell us where we can find you, um, any like programs or anything that you have available, all of that good stuff?
0: Well, I currently teach fitness classes in Southern Colorado. So if anybody's in the Pueblo area, I'm here and ready to help you on that fitness journey. I'm also a grief educator and soon to be reinvention life coach. You can find me right now on Instagram at Shaw Fit as well as Facebook under Shaw Flourish Fit.
1: Perfect. That is so good. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you. You have a great day.
1: If you loved this episode, please let us know by submitting a review or sharing with the women in your life. We'll see you next time.